Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, welcome to Utabia. Stephen Chicken here. Joined down the line by David Hartrick, and we've got some actual football to talk about, Dave. Imagine that. Yeah, I, we, we've both felt quite guilty not sort of doing regular podcasts every week, but they're just, in quite a li- literal sense, there hasn't been much to talk about, has there? And Andy takes that chance of being doing sort of nostalgia stuff, so they've had that covered. So we've been quiet, haven't we? But it's nice to have news again. It's nice to think we might be able to do this again now. Yeah, I've just had three weeks off and then come back in on the day that the EFL have had their meeting and their vote on what's going to happen for the rest of the season. So that the fixtures are out for the championship and the championship is going to be going ahead behind closed doors. Um, I think we have mixed feelings, it's fair to say, Dave, on whether that's right or wrong, mm. but, but it's happening. And just speaking for myself, although I, I probably was opposed to bringing it back so soon and I think it felt a bit rushed I must admit I'm a bit excited now that it is starting up again yeah I I think we're all craving I think we've all got to the point where we all need a bit of normality you know a couple of weeks into lockdown it's still a novelty and um, you you you're finding ways to cope and you've still got jobs to do but when you're 10 weeks in things are a bit different Um, and yeah I I I'm a bit like you. Uh, I I sort of didn't think I would be too fussed about it because I was of the mind that you know if you're going to do it, do it properly and just wait. But now we're we're nearly there. Yeah, it's exciting to think that there's going to be actual football to watch on the TV and we can stop pretending there's more than two good sides in Germany. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, particularly since uh, David Wagner's side, since Schalke are doing so poorly as well yeah um anyone i think any town fans who wanted to jump on the bandwagon and and you know enjoy a bit of schalke have probably been a bit sorely let down unfortunately <laughs> yeah but uh <laughs> to say the least but yeah i mean the, the efl meeting what they've agreed is that the championship will go ahead behind closed doors uh league one and league two have both been stopped and they've been decided on a points per game basis so they've they've agreed the promotion relegation uh there's still the issue of what's going to happen with the relegation from league two um for various reasons that that it's not worth getting into on a Huddersfield town podcast but uh coventry and rotherham will certainly be coming up to the championship next season as will one of uh it's wickham portsmouth oxford or fleetwood so <laughs> not none of them particularly away trips I'm especially looking forward to um, no, I, out of those fourth I, playoff contenders I, if I was a betting man I'd be putting my money on Wickham there as well yeah just far enough away that it's not worth an overnight stop yeah but uh, but far enough away that it's the the maximum for that it's so uh, fantastic Wickham but, yeah, I think Wickham the... is one of them places where if you say the word Wickham absolutely nothing comes to mind does it absolutely not a thing <laughs> not a thing yeah literally it's just oh it's near London yeah that's it <laughs> just west of London that's it yeah there you go so. Yeah, so for the championship, we're going to be playing on behind closed doors starting on the 20th of June, went out, and it's going to be the, the fixtures in the order that they were meant to be um, behind closed doors. So Wigan Athletic Cup first of town on the 20th of June. Now, one thing that they also agreed at that meeting is that if the season is curtailed, the championship season is curtailed again for any reason, uh, which I imagine they're, they're specifically thinking there of a sp- second spike in coronavirus or you know a load of players coming back testing positive or whatever then the championship season would also be subject to the same points per game relegation and promotion deciders you know if the season gets stopped in three games time then the table as it is then will be on a points per game basis will be the table and that is potentially a danger for town isn't it Dave? It is um, but there are there are a few caveats that I think help town a little bit um I think we were all looking at their run 
towards the end of the season and we were actually thinking there's one or two games there that uh, they sort of suit town really who are better against slightly better sides but also mm. there are we still don't know exactly what's going to happen with Derby and Sheffield Wednesday and there was a lot of talk pre-lockdown of a potential uh, points deduction and it's the same situation as in League 2 with Macclesfield these things have got to be resolved yeah. fairly quickly there's a lot of ifs ifs buts and maybes all town can do is they've just got to just got to keep out of that keep their heads above the line and i think they will i think they will i, I genuinely i've i've been accused of being too bullish on this podcast before but i i genuinely think they will i think it's worth just talking a little bit about the sort of points per game and what have you it it's i mean realistically steve i think it's it's the least bad of a lot of bad options, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, I mean, I understand if you were, I think Tranmere in particular, yeah. uh, have, have reason to be aggrieved. And, and I can understand that. But I think whatever they did, there were going to be a lot of upset people. And, I mean, I've I've argued on this podcast before, and I know you disagreed that it should be, the season should be null and void if they couldn't finish it by the end of June. And obviously they're not going to finish it, finish it by the end of June. But I think the reality is that the Premier League season is going ahead. And that means that the championship season almost had to, yeah. because you've got, to, you've got to decide who's going to get promoted uh, into, into the, the Premier League. Cause the Premier League were, were dead set that they were relegation was going to be, um, was going to you know be maintained, so that kind of forced the championship's hand. But I think there was n- little to no reason for League One and League Two to go ahead uh, for for all the risks and cost that is involved. I mean, I believe that, that each club is bearing some over a hundred thousand pounds in tests, um, yeah, which that they have to pay out of their own pocket. And League One and League Two teams, they just that it's not practical for them to, to pay that kind of money I mean some of them haven't got 140 quid in their bank account in quite a literal you know literal sense and some of the testing yeah. I mean you mentioned 140k to me yesterday and in, in I've seen some places where they're saying that figure is a lot higher they're saying 180 and that yeah. when you consider that the games they're putting on are also physically costing them um, in terms of of the wages paid, bonuses for appearances, clean sheets, goals, etc., etc. There's just no practical way they could finish it. And I do feel sorry for Tranmere, but only to a point, because there was a way for Tranmere to ensure they weren't in this position, and that was to have played a lot better in the first half of the season. It, it's, it, yeah. you know, like, <laughs> I've absolutely no sympathy for Peterborough, who have sort of whined and moaned throughout this process and said, you know, we have to play the season out purely out of complete self-interest, when realistically there was a way they could have ensured they were in there. And this is the the thing that's facing town. There is a way they can ensure that they don't get drawn into it if the season does get curtailed, and that is to win games. And that's that's as simple as it is. So, yeah, I do... (laughs) Like you say, they're all bad options. I think weighted points per game is a, is a is a really imperfect system because the weightings, when you actually look into it, it, it it's far. I think it's far easier just to say, right, we're just going to do it on a PPG basis than trying to work yeah. these various equations in. At, l- at least there's a degree of objectivity. Yeah. In that. Yeah. I, and I think everybody this season just has to take it on the chin, but. For a lot of these clubs, and I think there's clubs in the Championship as well, they did they they didn't want to play the season out because it's going to cost them money, but they they have to. Yeah, there's just no real reason for League One or League Two to finish. But I think I, I was looking at the tables as well, and I think Coventry and Rotherham are you know Wickham have got a shout to say they had a game in hand on Rotherham, and there's a chance you know there was a lot of football to be played before the end of the season but I think Rotherham have been pretty strong over the course of the season they've been there or thereabouts all the way through so I think that's absolutely fine and obviously Coventry have got something like a seven or eight point cushion and then at the bottom Southend and Bolton were were well adrift so you can't have too much sympathy there and then you've got the whole Stevenage is it going to be Stevenage or is it going to be Macclesfield because 
there's there's an investigation into various financial things at Macclesfield, but they are cut away off as well. And then at the top there, there is a there is a clear dividing line for the top three. So it feels as fair to me as it was ever going to feel, really. And I think in the championship, ultimately, if it happened again, it would probably still feel about as fair as it's possible to feel in this situation. It's just. It's just not a normal world, is it, Steve? That's the thing. No, exactly. And obviously, the more games we get played, you know, the 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 more complete the picture is, yeah. and I think the less objection people can have. But fingers crossed, there's there's no reason why the the season should get curtailed again. Hopefully, and and we'll be able to complete it now that we're sort of getting back up and running. Mm. Um. So, in, as far as sort of the fans listening at home, I know that you'll be at the games, Dave, yeah. and I'll, I may be at, at least a couple because it'll be me or Mel. Um, but the for season ticket holders, the club have announced what, what you can do. Um, so basically, by default, you will receive a, a code to access iFollow, the streaming service. Yeah. So you don't need, if you're happy to use that or you're happy for the money to just stay at the club and you not use iFollow, then you're sorted, basically. You're going to get that code uh, before the Wigan game. You don't need to do anything. You can apply for a cash refund, or you can get a, a refund as, a, as an e-credit, which will be held sort of in your town account, so you can use it against a future purchase, which could include a season ticket for next season. But if you want to do that, then you do need to act uh, before, I think it's 5pm on the 6th, 16th of June, so there's, there's, if you look on the examiner site or on the town website, there are details of, of the email address that you need to, to send to your uh, and the website, the link that you need to, to, to follow. If you don't have an email address, you're probably not listening to this podcast, to be honest, <laughs> but you'll need, to, you'll need to phone the ticket office. Anyway, so yeah, it's worth having a look if you are a season ticket holder and you've not had a look at what your options are. I would say just, just go and have a look at what the details are and what you need to do. But it will be interesting watching on iFollow and, and seeing. I mean, it's not a service that I've personally used because I think in the UK you can only. Well, I'm, I'm always at the games as a Dave, I think. Mm. But I believe it's. I believe the club are going to have their own commentary on there. So you're not for the away games. You're. You're. you're I think the intention is you're not going to get the commentary from, you know, uh, from the from someone who's you know working for Nottingham Forest. So. There should hopefully be some town-specific commentary on there. And, uh, yeah, hopefully it's up to the task. And if you're wondering how to get the iPhone, because the iFollow is made for your phone, tablet, or laptop. There's no sort of TV app. There's no app for, like, Fire Stick or anything like that. But we have written a piece on the website. If you just Google how to watch iFollow on your TV, it should come up, the Examiner Live article, uh, which will tell you how to get your telly plugged in or get your phone beaming into your telly. So there's a there's a few options for you. So hopefully, you'll be able to follow that through and uh, and get it on your telly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, and I might be joining you in that. <laughs> the the one thing that you need to make clear though is that of of the options, you have to take one or the other, don't you? You can't as a as a household. Because I know I I've got a they, I've got yeah. a few mates who sort of go. So for example, I've got a, one of my dearest friends is Simon, and his he goes with his two boys. They've either all got to get an iFollow code or all got to get a refund. He can't get a refund on their tickets and then get an iFollow mm. code on his season ticket. So it's it's slightly slightly complicated, perhaps more complicated than it yeah. needed to be in truth. Because I think personally, I think I think at this point the club could have just said, "Look, here's an iFollow code," and I think the more people that are watching, the better. Personally. Um, but you know, yeah. there I, you go. That's I mean, just th- me. that I, I understand it though because people have been asking about refunds, and there's a lot of people who are, you know, who who need that money at this time mm-hmm. and things like that. As you say, they they have, you know, the club have asked that if you can keep the money in the club, then they would appreciate it if you can do that. And also, junior tickets, I think, will get sort of you will get a prorated refund, prorated refund on them because. Um, you are uh, you're not <laughs> the terms conditions are iFollow. You have to be eighteen. So there you go. But as you say, as a household, they're asking if you take that you take one or the other option. So. Yeah, I I think I'm quite interested to see what the iFollow coverage is actually like because when it first launched, the the iFollow coverage was 
terrible. It was it was basically the red button coverage on Sky, which a lot of people listening to this podcast will be familiar with, which is, um, you know, single commentator, single camera, no replays, um, which is not a great viewing experience. Now, I think it has come on a bit since then, and I, I've been trying to find out, but it looks more and more like essentially I follow is switching to almost full match coverage so you are going to get you know multi multiple cameras you are going to get replays and i think some clubs are making sure that there's co-commentators there as well so it's a full experience so it will be a again i think it's something we're probably going to say a lot but it seems to be the least bad of a lot of bad options really to to take your take your eye follow code and then at least you get to see all the games till the end of the season and it keeps your bow on a settee which is what our government want you to do <laughs> whether you've got that message or not yeah. is another thing <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, it is going to make a bit of a difference playing behind closed doors. I don't know how many of you have, have seen the games from, from Germany. I know that you've been watching a bit of it, Dave. Mm. For anyone that hasn't seen the behind closed doors football experience, what do you think people can expect? Um, I think on iFollow you're not going to get the um, piped-in crowd noise. Um, and No, I wouldn't the, have thought so. The Bundesliga without the piped in cry crowd noise is a very strange experience. It's like football played in a sports hall. Really does give a training ground feel to it. But at the weekend BT Sport for the first time uh ran crowd noise in the background. Um and it was reactive too. And it completely changes Yeah it's a it. producer, isn't it? Yeah. It com- it's, it's the it, producer's basically acting like a DJ. Yes, yeah, but it it genuinely changes the experience. It really does. It makes it feel uh, much more real. So without that, I think it's almost unavoidable that a lot of town fans are going to get the experience that they're watching a training session. There's just no way around that, unfortunately. That is just the way it is, but... Um, the the thing is about a crowd is a crowd provides a sense of consequence and without that sense of consequence the football is a bit slower a bit less a bit less frenetic it's you know it's not walking football by any stretch but i wouldn't expect you know like a series of barnstorming four threes you know games after games you can even see it in the celebrations of players because they will score you know score a great meaningful goal and they will just jog off like it's a training session because what you're really doing when you score a goal is you're feeding off that energy of the crowd aren't you and you're sort of taking that in yourself and when that's not there it becomes a very different experience but it is football at the end of the day it is football there is a meaning to it it will be worth watching and I think the other thing is I mean I said to you your brain does sort of change its settings fairly quickly so you'll watch it and by the time you're sort of midway through the second half your your sort of synapses have realigned a bit and you just accept this is the (laughs) this is the normal for the foreseeable future and i mean ultimately a lot of people like uh like us who'll be listening to this are football pigs and we'll be watching things like pre-season friendlies and england friendlies so it's not as if they need every match to be on an absolute knife edge to enjoy it so yeah, I I think it will be absolutely fine. Um, the the whole season is going to have an asterisk, Steve. You know, like Premier League and Championship. Doesn't matter who gets relegated, promoted, or whatever. There is always going to be an asterisk because of the way it's played out. But what I would hope is that we get a few good games, and you know, I've always maintained from the start that you've got to finish the thing that exists before you start the next thing and i just hope by the time next season comes round there is a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel in that i i think we'll probably start next season under exactly the same circumstances 
So I don't think you'll be able to buy a season ticket and go and sit in the stand for the first home game of Towns next season. But I I would hope that there'll be some light at the end of the tunnel and finishing this season just eases people into it, you know, and, and maintains a level of enthusiasm there. Because with some clubs, I know from talking to people, they're desperately worried that the break and then the way this football's going to be played out they're going to lose not a sort of entire generation but they're going to lose a lot of people from the match going experience who won't be going for Mm. quite a while and will find other things to do um and i think that's quite a valid (laughs) i think that's quite a valid fear really so yeah i just i just hope people do relax into it do enjoy it do understand it's it's there's just very little point moaning about it, you know. It isn't the same. The games aren't going to be the same. The feel of it isn't going to be the same, particularly as it's the end of the season. And I think I strongly suspect Town are going to get to a point in a few games where the rest of the games will ultimately be a bit meaningless. And that's when it becomes a bit of a grind because you're watching a game with yeah. no fans, with absolutely nothing on it. But... It's football at the end of the day, and we all love football, don't we? That's it. I mean, I kind of hope you're right that that town can can pull clear enough of the relegation zone very quickly that that they don't have it on the line. But at the same time, as someone who's, as we always say, not a fan but more of an invested neutral, <laughs> um, it would actually be <laughs> would be uh, kind of nice if they could maybe do it on the the second to last game of the season, so we don't have to worry on the final day. But uh, I, I just, but yeah, I, we'll... I don't think that will happen because I think, I think the one thing town fans are very good at is worrying intently about their own club and their own fixtures and their own results, and never taking into account that yeah. they also require everybody around them to suddenly go on a mad run and win loads of games, etc. There are a lot of very difficult run-ins and in on that bottom side of the league. Um, and I mean, Wigan yeah. haven't got a good run in either. I, yeah, I, I think Town will be absolutely fine. But I have been saying that since Jan was in charge. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I'm I'm looking at the the odds now for for relegation and Town are nine to one. And there's hang on, how many teams is that? There's six teams that are shorter odds than that that the bookies think are more likely to go down. Luton, I. Th- Luton and Barnsley both heavy odds on favourites to go down. Yeah. But I and I th- I think probably realistically it is going to be one relegation spot that's being fought out. I mean, we'll see how it goes. I mean, what Barnsley seven points from safety mm. at the bottom of the table, I think. Um and and Town are three points clear. Hull obviously haven't won since New Year's Day. Um, which uh, yeah. I know that we've had three months off, but even accounting for the fact that we've had three months of the season missing, uh, that's a pretty <laughs> they, appalling record. They've still had the heart pulled out of that first team at Hull. Chartner are in absolute 3-4 and look like they're losing the guy who has been their match winner. I, yeah. I you know, I like I hate to... I don't want to frame it like this, but I think Town will be all right just by virtue of what other clubs will do around them. But I think Town will do enough. The, the Town's situation is quite unique because the Cowleys have been able to have, suddenly have a pre-season midway through the season. And you saw we were starting to see the evidence of ideas coming to fruition. We were starting to see that they had the personnel they wanted for their favoured 4-2-3-1 system. We were starting to see certain different patterns of play from players like Grant, etc., just adapting and changing their game a little bit. And now they've had a lot of time to work on it. And we, we did say a while ago there was a world where Town actually come out of this the other side slightly better for it. And I, I think they got the players back nice and early. They've had plenty of time to work with them. They were in okay form going into this. You know, there were there were clear signs of, of progression there. I think I genuinely think they'll be fine. I mean, I'm prepared to eat my words if they go on a terrible run and lose every game and finish rock bottom, but I, I genuinely think mm. they'll be fine. I, I think it's, as I said, it's a strange thing to say, but I think that the circumstances have ended up slightly favouring them. Yeah, which 
I mean, everyone, the counter-argument to that would be, well, every club has had the benefit of that pre-season. Every relegation-threatened team has had you know, the opportunity to take stock. But for one, there's still three of them have to go down. They could all be as brilliantly prepared as they want, but there's still going to have to be three that go down. Yeah. And, and the other thing is that, is that, as you said, Town probably more than anyone needed that pre-season because I think whatever else you want to say about you know, signings or poor form or players underperforming or Jan Sievert's management or whatever. As we've talked about a million times before, they just they've acknowledged they weren't fit at the start of this season. Mm-hmm. So if they've taken the opportunity and the players have been really on it with their fitness work, which you would hope they would be, and I know they've had the heart monitors and things like that to make sure that, you know, they're not just taking it at the word. They've actually got the data to show that the players have been working hard and working to the regimes that they've given them. Then town it could make a big, as you say, could make a bigger difference for them than anyone else because it's very hard to get that fitness up once you start the season. Yeah. I, I know it's a different sport, but I, I remember once talking to to Tony Smith. Not long, he took over at Warrington Walls years ago, just after just after the season had started, and it was the same thing. The players just weren't fit, and at rugby league's a game that's all about fitness. And he said, we're, we're not going to do anything this season because the players aren't fit and that's that. Like, we, we can't fix that now mm. during the season. But no, the point is, once you've once you start the season, it's very, very difficult to, to get that fitness work up just because you have to have the recovery days after every game and it's a different kind of training. Yeah. But as you say, because they've had this, these few weeks off, they should. They've practically had a, a preseason. Mm. Um, not in terms of tactical work and set pieces and things like that. They'll have found it difficult to work on that beyond sort of the theoretical stuff. And uh, I know that a lot of not just footballers but people in general struggle with theoretical stuff. They need to actually do it to, yeah. to for that stuff to go in. But uh, yeah, it will be really interesting to see how different town might be uh, after this break. Town have got a decent crop of players there who I get the feeling will be raring to go as well. You know, like a, I'm absolutely positive someone like a an O'Brien has been absolutely chewing at the bit to get back on the back on the pitch, and I I just think I'm not going to say the stars have aligned and they're going to go on some mad run and win every game, but I I just think that 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 break and that time with their manager without the pressure of a game two days later and then another one three days after and then another one in midweek and then you know just having some time to work through some ideas to get some fitness in to understand that the Cowley's training sessions are quite different from other managers because they approach things from a different uh, a different angle um it's it's one of their one of their key strengths really um and it's because i hate to say it but they're not proper football men <laughs> you know they come from a very different background so that takes a little bit of bedding in with some players and i think town did have one or two players who were still struggling slightly to just get their head round their managers philosophies so yeah i i think they'll be absolutely fine and the other thing is is i i think <sighs> Like I'm going to maintain my anti-Wigan agenda here, Steve, and <laughs> I took a, I'd taken a bit of grief after a couple of podcasts for saying, you know, Wigan went on a really great run. I I've done Wigan quite a few times this season. They're not a good side. They that that run they went on, I also maintained, was pretty poorly timed because they'd gone way too early. There's a lot of football to be played. I mean, I'd be staggered if Wigan finish above town, put it that way. And I think it's a mm. good fixture to to get town back into the back into the swing of it because there's something on it. You know, it, it is of all the fixtures that are left, this is one you could say it does feel like, you know, there is there is a genuine sense of tension there, even though playing it behind closed doors does eliminate a lot of that. And I think that's actually a good thing. I think, you know, sharpen the mind straight away rather than going in, you know, against against the team it's where it's like, you know, are we gonna beat them? I don't know, they're a good side, etc. This is a real opportunity yeah, like for a West Brom or to, something, yeah. Yeah, this is an opportunity for town to, to hit the ground running 
and get three points and then push on from there. And I, I genuinely think they will. I genuinely think they will. But I have been saying that since February. <laughs> <laughs> it's there's two fixtures that that really stand out in in sort of their remaining nine and it, Wigan is definitely one of them yeah. and the other one is Luton yeah. and you feel i mean they need to get 8 points from the nine games to get to 50 points i think it's 50 points should see them through i, I, I don't be, think i'd be staggered if it was if 50 points relegated you this year with with yeah. the way so, other teams are dropping like stones and with the totals they've got yeah. already i mean if you've got 50 points and you go down on consider yourself very unlucky this year really yeah i mean charlton uh are currently on to get uh, a fraction over 48 points so and and they're not going to be as you as you say i would i'd be surprised if they were as good in their remaining nine nine games as they have been so far bearing bearing in mind that they started the season uh really well um and yeah as, as we mentioned hull absolutely dropping like a stone those two play each other Funnily enough, on Saturday as well, mm. that's a massive game at the bottom. Um, you would say maybe... you would say the, that game. I mean, on on paper, football isn't played on paper, etc. But I know it's really, really early. But you would say if there is a winner and a loser in that game, the loser is looks doomed to me. That would be my yeah. honest take on it. But we'll see. There's a lot of football to be played. I think whatever happens to town with, with Town's result against Wigan as well, I think anything other than a Charlton win helps them in that game. Mm. A draw is is okay, um, but a Hull win obviously you know leaves Charlton even more adrift. So um, yeah, but we'll see. But I mean, I mean, I'm just looking at it, and Town are staring, been staring at this table for about ten minutes now, and. You know, town three points clear. They've got three teams below them who all have a point less. Middlesbrough, Wigan, and Hull. The the other game in the in the calendar that I was alluding to, by the way, the other massive game is the Luton game. Mm. And you feel like, as I say, you, they need to get to fifty points. And I just feel like if they win those two games, it's a big if, and it's all as you say, football's not played on paper. But if they can beat Wigan and Luton, then they only need two points from the other seven games. Yeah, um, and I, there's, so, so I those think are, there's those are massive winnable matches. games there for them. As I said, town are aside who I I think are actually better playing against better sides who come onto them a bit and they've got mm. one or two of them fixtures so I wouldn't be surprised. I, I think they will beat Wigan, I think they will beat Luton and I think they will pick up at least one more win. On top of that, I can't see them losing six six more games. I think they'll get at least a couple of draws there and I think that's like more than enough. And as I look at that, that bottom six... Town and Middlesbrough are the two that I think will not finish yeah. comfortably, but will pull away from that. And I think I think Middlesbrough are in a similar position to Town that that they will benefit massively yeah. from a preseason. Yeah, I do, I, I do, I do, and I think like we've said it before, Steve, as well. The other thing is about Borough and Town very, very similarly is you look at their squads and you look at their first 11s. And to be frank, they are mid-table sides. They should be safely in mid-table. So it's not like we're looking at a situation here where we're trying to... We're trying to say Town are better than they are or we're looking at it and we're thinking there's still obvious gaps in that first 11 and they're going to struggle and they're going to pick off. You know, they, they should be... I would argue Town should be at least 10 to 12 points better off than they are. So... Yeah. yeah, I can I can completely understand the worry because as we said, we're invested neutrals. We're not absolute fans, but by the same token, I think things could be a hell of a lot worse than being in Huddersfield Town's position. I mean, I'd, I'd far rather be in Town's position than Charlton's position. Put it that way. Yeah, very much so. And they should have a full squad available. Town. Uh, I don't think there's any. We haven't. I mean, Danny Cowley wouldn't tell us if they did, but I don't think they've got any new injuries. And in fact. The, the breakers probably benefited a couple of players like Alex Pritchard. Is anyone back in training? Colin, anyone Colin noticeable? Quana. Anyone gorgeous? <laughs> anyone lovely? <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, Tommy Alfick's still out. Uh, I think he's he's expected to. I think he's still going to miss the rest of this season. Yeah, he's been doing um, some. He's been doing some light tra- light work at the training ground, which I would assume means he's sort of started jogging and etc. Jogging in straight lines. Yeah, and that's that's about it. No turning. That's about it. Yeah. But you know, he still remains incredibly handsome. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think he's due back sort of August, September. Uh, the players that have been out on loan can't 
can't play regardless. So the you know mm. Romani Edmund Greens, for instance, has been at Swindon or Josh Caroma, who was at Rotherham. Um, their seasons are finished, but those players can't I'm, come back and play for town. Genu- genuinely, are you quite surprised at that? I. I understand why they. I think that's probably a more sensible rule than saying they can play. To be honest, I just I Given... I think if you're so so muscle injuries in the Bundesliga have been what two hundred and thirty percent up. I think on the the same mat, mm. the same match weeks last season, they've already admitted they've got to go to five subs because of the circumstances. I'm actually quite surprised they haven't said they're your player. You're paying their wages. If they're back, you can play them. But you know, I mean, it's a small th- thing. Don't get me wrong. But yeah, <laughs> I under. I mean, to be honest, out of the players that Town have had out on loan, probably the only one that you would think had a chance of getting a start was would probably have been Josh Garoma, maybe. Um, and even then, I think he's more likely to have been sort of used as an impact sub. I, I mean, I, I I see the logic of it because if you're allowed to retain the players that you already that you had in on loan. Then it makes sense yeah. that you're not allowed to use yeah. the players that you that you sent out on loan. Um, I th- but we'll see how it goes. I mean, they still haven't really there still hasn't really been an update on what's going to happen with the players that are out of contract, yeah. uh, for instance. So uh, town have quite a few of them. So this is this is you know, part the, of the this is part of the overall issue though, where clubs are still waiting for answers for from the people who should be making the decisions for them. Um, I do feel for a lot of clubs who have been accused of sort of acting in self-interest and, you know, if you've spoken out, you've been the bad guy and all this. Everybody's acting in the self-interest and I think there comes a point where the EFL should be taking these decisions from them and saying this is the framework, yeah. you know, like for players who are out of contract for the loan players etc this is the framework this is what you can offer them this is how it works and it just feels a touch it feels a touch off that it's just still up in the air really you know like we're we're, what are we eight days from actually playing football is it eight days nine Mm -hmm. days actually playing football and these things are still questions just seems a bit bit weird to me it is. I mean, Rick Perry, I think, has spoken well. He said the right thing because I've made people who've read the site will know I've made a lot of criticisms about about the way the EFL have done things, particularly around the uncertainty around mon- where money is meant to come mm. from for for the clubs if they're playing behind closed doors. Um, and I think probably realistically the EFL doesn't have answers to that, and the answer is just going to be, well, there is no money, which is very unfortunate. Yeah, but. I put it this way, I think now that they've decided what is going to happen with this, with the season and that we know that League 1 and 2 are finished and we know that the Championship is going ahead, I, I think we will see a lot of Championship clubs this week and next announcing short-term mm. contracts ex- extensions. Uh, so they'll, they'll, I expect we'll see, and this isn't based on anything, any conversation with the club or anything like that, but I suspect that we will see announcements of... Uh, some of the younger players who are held in high esteem probably new contracts or or extra years triggered and for players that that probably are expected to leave the club probably just a monthly rolling deal yeah um but and and I think that will happen across the championship not just at, at Huddersfield I think you, clubs across the championship will be announcing those kinds of extensions do you do you think I mean this is probably a podcast in and of itself but do you think the recruitment side as far as town concerned, has completely changed now. Because if you were... We've both sat here and said we wouldn't offer Kachunga a new contract um, for for differing reasons, but we've both said it at one point or another. But now Mm. we don't know what the transfer window is going to look like and at best it's going to be compressed before um, the start of the new season... Um, there must be some sort of extension, I would imagine, into like October or something like that. But there is a realistic chance that clubs are literally going to have sort of a month turnaround at most. Mm. Do you now think you're looking at a player like Elias Kachunga and thinking, well, he he fills arguably three roles in a squad? Yes, he's expensive, but if we can negotiate that down a bit, do you suddenly go, do you know what, it's worth trying to put a contract in front of him? I can see situations where where that might happen. I'm not sure about it specifically in in Kachunga's case. And again, this isn't sort of 
yeah, based on an informed conversation. Yeah, yeah. Is that his he his wage automatically goes up and he's quite a high earner anyway. Mm. But I think there's other players I, there that Town would have sort of been looking to shake hands with. That suddenly it's like, mm, do you know? <laughs> my suspicion for the upcoming transfer window, whenever it might begin, is that we will see a lot of. Um, a lot of delays on things because I think no club particularly outside the Premier League no club basically is going to have any money and so they're not they're going to want to get players probably for less weight for lower wages than those players are expecting to earn yeah you know I think there's going to be a lot of players who are out of contract this summer who end up having to take a wage cut to sign for a new club yeah and particularly in the championship league one league two there's going to be a lot of players who are out of contract who clubs just can't afford to renew, uh, especially in League One and League Two. Yeah. And and so I think what will happen is that we'll end up with a load of free signings being made late in the window mm. because I think players will be holding, trying to hold out to, to get the high valuation and see if any competition comes in and blah, blah, blah. Uh, and the clubs will be unwilling to, to raise their offers for players. So I suspect that if and when the window opens, I would be very surprised if there was a flurry of deals announced early in the window. And and it's always kind of left late anyway. Mm. But I think even the free agents and things like that who often get snapped, you know, snapped up weeks in advance of their deal actually expiring might end up bobbing on for the start of the season before they sign for anyone. Yeah, I I can see I I can see Towns line up on the first day of next season being very different to their lineup six weeks later. Because I just, yeah. I I think one thing that is definitely going to happen is just recruitment is going to be really difficult because there's going to be a bit of horse trading to be done. There's going to be a lot of looking at budget sheets and who's going out and exactly what you have got left. I think Phil Hodgkinson has made himself a, a lot of friends within football and beyond that because he has spoke with absolute sense and clarity on the the issue of wage caps, which I think have to come in, in in League 2 and League 1. I mean, some of the horror stories, I don't know if you've seen any, Steve, but some of the horror stories about what players at League 2 clubs earn, not League 1, but the disparity between where you can have first-team players who are earning sort of the, the thick end of £500 a week in League 1, playing with players in uh, in League 2, playing with players who are earning the thick end of eight grand in League 2 yeah. a week is just absolutely yeah. incredible. Um, so I think the salary cap's going to come in, but obviously it takes a bit of time to work that out and enforce that. And I, I, I just wonder if, again, we've talked a lot about how, where's the benefit for town. I just wonder if recruitment is going to become a lot more difficult. So I do wonder if this this sort of crop of youngsters that we've seen in the town side, the likes of Matty Daly, etc., might end up getting more of a run next season than they possibly would have done. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, I th- I, th- I think that probably will be true across the board uh, that we'll see more academy players mm. next season uh, in the championship. I think the thing is, is that I don't think their recruitment changes in terms of the targets they're identifying and who they think they need. Yeah, but I think. But I think what is a complete unknown now for everyone is is what the market is in terms of wages and transfer mm. fees and um, and things like that because there'll be a lot of clubs that just want you know there's there's not going to be a championship spe- transfer this year for over ten million quid and I can't see there being one for a long time either realistically yeah. even the sides that eventually come down from the Premier League are they're also going to have to look very, very carefully at how they spend their money in the new market and how things mm. are affecting them. So it just it feels a very, very different landscape. And it feels like if I almost... I mean, it's, it's often true anyway, but I almost feel like whoever wins this transfer window is going to win the championship, in truth, because... I think there are some clubs who are going to have just great big black holes in their side when all this comes out. And it, I, I don't think Town are going to be there because I think, I think they've recruited pretty well up until this point. I think they've, they clearly showed in January they can work with a plan. And I think they've also got yeah. the likes of a Daly and a Edmunds Green and several others who are 
there or thereabouts and could be called upon. So it's it's just a whole new world. It seems really weird to say that when we were chatting in February as if everything was completely normal, but it is just <laughs> genuinely a completely new world in no time at all. It's incredible. And, and completely unknown as well. I mean, I would say I think... If town struggled, then I think every club yeah. is going to struggle because I think town town's financial position is is nowhere near as as uh, precarious as a lot of teams in this division because they they're Hello, they're Derby relatively fans. sensible. With, <laughs> I know exactly because they're relatively sensible with their wage bill. You know that they're not spending two hundred percent of their yeah. of their turnover on wages like Derby are, and you know they they they're getting the parachute payments, and I know that a portion of that is going to to Dean Hoyle on paper, whether he's actually still taking that, I don't know. I think because, he's. I think he's uh, already. I think he's already said he's left it as will talk in the summer, which suggests right. to me that there you go. I. I don't think he's going to expect Huddersfield Town to pay him fourteen million quid in a lump sum this summer. Yeah, but even even if they do, they've still got you know uh, another sort of eighteen million there. Yeah, um, which a lot of cl- which a lot of clubs don't have, and that is money that they they haven't committed to spending. I think where one sort of uh, caveat to this, though, is players like Isaac and Benzer and Terence Congolo and Adama Diakabi, who they sent out on, and Flo Hadajanai, who they sent out on loan with a view to permanent deals. Whether those permanent deals are now actually realistic or not, I don't know. Whether anything has been agreed as, as regards to those deals, uh, I don't know, because they're, they're keeping that, that kind of thing very tightly under wraps. So yeah. be interesting to see what happens with those players that are, you know, Ben Hamer as well. You know, there's others, so... Yeah, um, but I, I, I think push comes to shove. I, I think I can see Town offering to pay up a couple of contracts there. <laughs> yeah, you know, I just mm. there, are, there are players in that list who there's no point us going into it. But there's players in their list they won't want anywhere near the training ground. Never mind anything else. So it's well. Th- this is the other thing I was going to say is is there might be a lot of, we might see and probably not early in the window but again later in the window I suspect we'll see a lot of free transfers yeah. not in terms of free agents but just free just transfers without a, a fee because pl- clubs will just want to get people off yeah off the wage bill yeah I would I would absolutely agree with that yeah. So before we go, let's just talk about that weekend game quickly. Um, do you think there's going to be much difference in the starting lineup from the the what we saw in the games before the break against, say, Charlton and, and Leeds? None at all. None at all. I, no. I think the I think the starting lineup is fairly set in stone. I think both of us could name it off the top of our head now. And I think Town are suddenly going to have a really strong bench as well. You know, really, really mm. strong bench, and with. What's it? Five, five substitutes now. Um, yeah, they they're gonna have players on there who can genuinely make a difference in games. So yeah, it. I think that perhaps the one thing that's still up to debate is Campbell or Mounier up front. But I think, I think the way the Cowleys want to play, I I think it'll be Campbell. If I'm honest, um, he doesn't yeah. have to score to do his job, does he? That's that's the thing. Yeah. No matter how weirdly that sits with me, to be honest. But <laughs> if you've got Campbell up there to to run his heart out for sixty minutes, and then you can bring Mounier on, and you can you know change the Smith row for Pritchard, and you can mix things up on the wings a little bit now. Yeah, I I, I think I think Town are going to look quite strong, and I you know I hate to say it again, but I just I just don't think we're going to as good a side. I really don't. They've got a couple of outstanding individuals, but apart from that, it's all much of a muchness. And I I've done them quite a few times this season, and they they remind me quite a, their sort of standard. Their their mean is a bit like Town under Jan in that quite a bit of running but no real cutting edge um and i just i just can't i I genuinely can't see anything other than a town win which is incredibly dangerous isn't it yeah bold (laughs) i mean i think the only the only two players who i'm looking at the leeds lineup the only two players i think could disrupt that lineup are pritchard is one that you've mentioned and danny cowley has sort of alluded to the I I think he's got an idea in mind for how he would play Pritchard and Smith Rowe together. Well, it'd put, but I, I suspect I assume that he'd that... push Smith Rowe would he push Smith Rowe right? 
Grant left, Pritchard through the middle. Yeah, yeah. That 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 would be my assumption. Yeah, yeah. Um, unless you put Grant up front, Smith Rowe left, Pritchard, because then Pritchard can do you know can do the the closing down that that Grant wouldn't do as the centre forward. Mm. Um, and the other one is Jonathan Hogg, who was who was out injured um, for the Leeds game, and uh, I suspect that that they will want him in the midfield. Uh, so I would expect maybe Chalaber to drop out of the team for, to to accommodate Hogg mm. uh, if he's fit, but. But I think those are the only two. Otherwise, as you say, it's you know you could pretty well name it: Blurzel, Schindler, Stearman, Toffler, Simpson, you know, O'Brien, yeah. Willock, uh, Mounier, Grant. Yeah. Those. So, I, I, yeah. The, the no. thing I would say though is that I think that back five is fairly set in stone. Though they may, yeah. they may have to change it fullback because I mean Danny Simpson was blowing a bit <laughs> before the break. The idea of nine games in quick succession for Danny Simpson does worry me a little bit. Um, so they may have to juggle it up a little bit. But beyond that, I think everybody is going to get loads of football. So Chalabar may drop out for Hogg, but Chalabar's going to get loads of football before the season's ends. Who yeah. knows, as I said, whether Pritchard starts or whether he comes off the bench, but he'll play a lot. Willock, because the the five substitutes and the circumstances dictate it, that will be so. And again, I think that... I think that slightly plays into Town's hands again because they've got a good, they've got a good group of sort of eighteen or nineteen players there, haven't they? That you, yeah. you can all do yeah. first team roles. You know, beyond that, it gets a little bit sketchy. But they are they are stronger than you think, really. Um, so yeah, yeah, I just, I mean, you don't tell, don't sit on the fence here. Don't tell me you can see anything other than a Town win either. No, I, I mean, I would hope, yeah, I would hope for a town win. The only reason I'm being a bit more cautious than you, I think, is just because it's the first game back mm. and sort of it's almost like going into the first game of a season and quite often on the first day of a season you see some absolutely mad results. Um, so that's my only sort of caution. But I think I agree with you sort of overall that... Um, that that town will be fine. I think if they don't get the points here, they will make them up elsewhere. Um, and the, the the home and away thing, and whether the home advantage you know disappears or not, um, is is an interesting one to look at. But yeah, I mean, I would on paper, I would definitely expect a town win. So yeah, the the home and away thing, I think will will reveal itself. But I I I would still in these weird circumstances are. The players are only human like us, and they won't quite know what to expect themselves. I suspect they would probably want a home fixture first up, regardless. Yeah. So again, you know, it's sort of fallen, fallen town's way, because it is going to be weird. And then to sort of experience that weirdness going to a different ground, and then having to do it all over again at your home ground where you're you're supposed to feel comfortable, it is going to be, it is going to be odd. I mean, I I'm I'm. Uh, going to be doing all the games and I don't know how how it's going to be it is going to feel weird really weird mm. lovely right well we'll be back with you I imagine after the Wigan game uh, to talk to you some more thanks for joining us again down the line Dave no problem and we will see you next time on Utabia. goodbye see there <laughs>